How did the 40 times of the rookie running backs today change their value in dynasty drafts? Will Brandon Marshall and Larry Fitzgerald duplicate their 2015 success next season? Plus 2015-1250 dynasty number seven champion Mark Perino is here to tell us how he has made the playoffs in all 10 of his seasons with the FFPC dynasty and gives us some rookies he's excited about for this year as well. We've got a great show for you. Dave Gerzak is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts now. You want to see my girl? I ain't that dumb. You want to see my girl? Check Maxim. Man, why does every black actor got to rap some? I don't know. All I know is I'm the best one. It's a car fire. Turn the lights out. I'm burning everything you motherfuckers talk about. It's a car fire. Turn the lights out. I'm burning everything you motherfuckers talk about. You know these rapper dudes talk, talk, start killing. That got goons like an arch villain. Broadcast live and heard around the world. You are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. It's the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for football analysis from the best fantasy players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. Oh, my cousin, now he can't even think straight. Black and white music, now that's a mixtape. Shout out to my blurred. Thanks a lot, Rob. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this February 26th episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com live from the Gatorade Studios. Support for the show is also provided in part by Wendy's who wants to remind you that for a limited time only you can get a big deal on a big meal. Get a junior bacon cheeseburger, four-piece nuggets, fries, and a drink for just $4. Check out at your local Wendy's today where quality is their recipe. Greetings and salutations to all the Balkaholics and Gerzak and Addicts. I'm Slightly above average host Eric Balkman, and my co-host is, as always, the Dizzle, Dave Gerzak. Coming up on tonight's show, how much value did Charles Sims just gain in redraft and dynasty leagues today, and how do you properly rate what Doug Baldwin did in 2015? Plus, 1250 Dynasty, number seven champion Mark Perino joins us to talk Deion Lewis, Jason Witten, and not rebuilding your dynasty squads, plus much, much more. Shout out to the chat room right now. You guys can post questions you have in there. If you want to connect with us on Twitter, it's at HSFFHour, at Eric Balkman, at David Gerzak. You can post on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. 347-26-3682. That's 347-GAME-OVA if you want to give us a call. And Football at gmail.com is the FedEx inbox. Post your questions via email on to, and uh, on Twitter and in the chat room right now. Our producer and mutual friend Rob and audio engineer Bryce will get those questions to us later on in the show. I should mention, too, we completed our two-part analysis of how the running backs finished in 2015 last week. Tonight we'll be taking a look at the wide receivers, and God willing, we'll get through all of them tonight. Uh, but we'll see. It's going to be a great show. Uh, Dave? Combine going on starting the middle part of this week. We had the running backs working out today. We, I believe we have receivers and tight ends tomorrow. It's going to be a great weekend. Have you been uh, paying very close attention to the combine? or Because we haven't talked about it a whole lot. Today, Valky, I was actually creating the uh, high-stakes leagues for, our, uh, for the, main event, you know, the main event weekend. So, no, not as much as I'd like to be, but I've been catching up a little bit in the last hour or two. The high-stakes leagues should be ready to go for sign-up. at. Oh, they are right now? Yeah, Well, once again, breaking news on the high-stakes <laughs> fantasy football. Yeah, it's, it's very breaking. What high-stakes leagues are those? That's Varsity, um, Big I, Payback? Big Payback, High Society, Super Satellites, Off the Grid, Bare Knuckles. All of them. Full nine yards, auction leagues, uh, draft experts leagues. Not only can you sign up for those at myffpc.com right now, but big news in the FFPC email today, Dave. The Football Guys Players Championship launching a month earlier than it normally does. That is June 5th this year as we kick drafts off. $300,000 grand prize, $2 million prize pool, 650 places being paid. You can register right now. I noticed that there's only 7,493 spots left when I checked it out today. Oh, you better get in there quick. I already have seven teams signed up, so check that out at myffpc.com. We're also, uh, we also have draft efforts leagues going live right now. You can register for those. Those are going off uh, you know, as soon as they fill. We get 12 teams. We start the draft, and they go off. And you can register for Dynasty Startups at myffpc.com right now. The $500 level and $750 level, Dave? Uh, yeah, we may do a $1,250. We're, we're kicking Still it Still feeling that? Yeah. That out. We're actually, you know, that last twelve fifty team actually sold, so we have no teams available right now for, hey, for dynasty. I'm actually shocked. That that is pretty awesome. Let me ask you, when did it sell? 
It sold after you sent your email. All well, right. It, I, you okay. know, I hate to give you credit, but... Right, give credit where credit's due. It might be due to your skills at marketing. Well, credit due to Roto World and Rob for tonight's rundown. Let's talk about the NFL Combine and what happened today. We'll kick things off with uh, projected first-round pick. Running back Ezekiel Elliott running a 4-4-7 today at the Combine. Uh, for a six foot, 225-pound running back, having a 4-4-7 is pretty amazing. I mean, he's not a small guy. Uh, and the fact that he was uh, sub-4-5 is pretty cool. Uh, the comparison between Elliott and Derrick Henry uh, has been um, pretty prevalent in the pre-draft process. It seems like those are the first two running backs that will probably go off the board. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, better in the passing game, more of a, a three-down back, whereas Derrick Henry is sort of like an early down, you know, first and second down banger. Uh, Elliott probably going in the first round. Derrick Henry uh, more than likely going in the second round until Derrick Henry put out his measurables today. And, this, I, and you know, far be it for me to, to go gaga over, you know, um, just oh. measurables without pads and helmet on and everything. We do it every year, Valky. I'm about to. <laughs> Derrick Henry runs a 4.54 today, a 10-foot, 10-inch broad jump, and a 37-inch vertical this while well, he is six foot three, two hundred and forty seven pounds. Now, the highest spark score among running backs at the combine combine last year was Amir Abdullah. Uh he had the same broad jump measurement and uh but but Amir Abdullah did it at uh two hundred forty two pounds less than uh, Derrick Henry and Henry's forty yard dash time um was actually point oh six seconds faster than Abdullah, this despite him again weighing forty two pounds more. Derrick Henry, Dave, not a guy I was going to be on for dynasty drafts, uh, and now I'm a little bit more excited than I was. You know, for anybody lumping him in with um, Fat Eddie Lacy or Trent Richardson, seems like a mistake because those guys did not have the measurables that Henry achieved today. Yeah, I mean, it's a super impressive you know, performance. I mean, he must have trained really well, and to, to weigh that much and to, to jump that far, go that fast, jump that high. It's pretty incredible, actually. I'm, I'm I'm shocked. I am guessing that he has not moved ahead uh, of Ezekiel Elliott in running backs you're most excited about for fantasy with the, you know these guys not having teams yet. Um, but he had to close the gap because he did for me. Well, it helps. I mean, Elliott again. I again, I'm still early in the process, but Elliott is a three down back. So I mean that in a PPR league, Elliott's the guy you're kind of looking for. He's the true 300 carry, 50 catch caliber. You know, it's a possibility those things could happen. The worry with Henry, from what I've been reading, is that he's more of a first and second down back. Although he, you never know, he could prove that wrong too. Did you ever? Did they do the the three cone? Um, yeah, they did. Okay, so the, the other concern with Derrick Henry was everybody knew he is a fast straight line guy, but the agility metrics and and how fast he was able to um, to um, change direction, I think, was was a question with Derrick Henry, and I don't know how that turned out today. I haven't I heard many people talking about it, but everybody on Twitter today was just swooning. Over, oh my goodness, Derrick Henry, just incredible measurables today. Uh, so we'll have to see how that um, uh, plays out as we get closer. Yeah, it's not, I mean, it's not his agility score, which is a roll of his metric. It's the combination of the three cone drill and the 20 yard shuttle, uh, 11.5. It's pretty, it's not that great. You know, pedestrian. I mean? Yeah, Jeremy Hill had similar type numbers at, at his pro day. I don't think he did it at the combine. Uh, so it's a 7.20 three cone drill, 4.30 20 yard shuttle. This year at the 20-yard shuttle, the timers, I mean, there wasn't anyone, there was very few people under four seconds, actually. Um, looking it up right now. This is just running backs you're looking at, Yeah, right? just running backs. Uh, in fact, there was no one under, there was no one under four seconds. Now, there you go. So. Uh, let's, okay, let's shift uh, from the running backs. Let's talk wide receivers uh, for a little bit. Uh, South Carolina wide receiver Farrell Cooper is not going to run the 40 because he has a strained quad. Uh, South Carolina has their pro day on April 1st, um, and it's, so it sounds like Cooper's going to run the four that day. Much like Corey Coleman, Dave, much like Laquan Treadwell, guys skipping the 40-yard dash at the combine and uh, going to be running it uh, at their pro day. But Cooper, a guy who I was looking at uh, DynastyLeagueFootball.com, um, they had their um, pre-draft um, uh you know, rookie ADP for, for the rookie drafts or, or what have you. Farrell Cooper consistently in the top 10 uh, on there. Do you, what do you know? First of all, I'll ask you this. Do you know much about him? And part two, because I think part one could be a good answer. Are you concerned at all for any of these guys who are choosing not to run the 40 at the comma? Well, I'm a little, I'm a little pissed off at Farrell Cooper, to be honest with you, Valky, because I used him a few times in FanDuel College <laughs> and I kept losing and losing 
and he was doing like he was terrible. So take it with a grain of salt. Okay. I love the name. Don't That's like a his, great name. Don't, Cooper. Love the name. Don't like the game right now. But you know, I'm. I think he's got potential. Maybe it was just the quarterback play okay. was bad, or I didn't get the value right, or something. Okay, fair enough. Um, you concerned about Treadwell or Coleman not running? Coleman's obviously coming off the injury. Uh, Treadwell concerns me because he, everyone thinks he's going to run slow, um, and so he didn't run at all. It, it, it's a concern. Yeah, especially when you're supposed to be like the de facto number one wide receiver. But isn't that when you wouldn't want to run? Like, look, everybody well, thinks you, I'm number one. I'm only going to hurt myself if I. On here. Well, I mean, it, 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 yes, if you are slow, which is, which is bad. Right. You know, like, obviously, he's been running 40 times in, in drills. He knows how fast he is, and he's not fast enough. And well, maybe he's working on that right now. I think, wasn't Treadwell the guy who, who said he switched agents, and, and when he switched agents, he switched who he was training with, and that's the reason he wasn't running the 40 because... I haven't paid enough attention. He I, should have signed with our good friend Farrell Elliott if he wanted to get a good... Oh, team. that would have been great. Would have been smart. Does, 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 you think instead, you know, they go with these big these big agencies and just get it lost in the mix. Right. Just sign with Farrell Elliott. They don't get the personal touch of Farrell right. Elliott. A Farrell, good, good man. Right. Trump would love Better him. agent. <laughs> good man, better agent. See? Uh, Farrell Elliott, of course, the commissioner of the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship. A lot of people don't know. He's actually a licensed NFL agent, which I, I'm going to ask you on air right now. Can he get us anybody? Like, I know we, we worked and uh, you worked hard and we got Shark Hendrick West in the show. Well, I, I noticed Shark Hendrick West. You're the one who actually well, tweeted whatever. him or whatever. No, you tweeted him. Oh, I tw- yeah, I tweeted him and then I, and then I, I just the, organized it. I, I, I put the wrong stuff in the, into the tweet, so I forced him to respond. Right, exactly. We were one of his first, I mean, we were. In the top couple hundred of his Twitter followers, which is pretty... Impressive. That was just, pretty cool. Yeah. So anyway, my question is, can Farrell get us specs he, that he, he could put on the show? He's at the combine right now, probably trying to steal away Laquan Treadwell. Right. And After he hears this, for yeah, sure. Yeah, and he should. Um, he's got some clients. I mean, I don't think that... I don't know if he has any skill position clients, like running backs, receivers, and tight ends. He's right. got a, a couple of good offensive linemen I know that, that he's working with, um, and, a, and a really good corner. Okay. So Fair enough. Uh, moving on, let's talk uh, back to the pro game, pro side of things. Roy Cummings, writer for the uh, Tampa Tribune, reported today that Doug Martin is considered most likely to sign with someone other than Tampa Bay on the very first day of free agency. Both sides uh, have tried to get a new, you know, square way a new deal, uh, but uh, the the Bucks beat writers uh, don't seem to think that Tampa has or, or is offering what it's going to take to get Martin into the fold. Uh, it's looking like he is going to sign with somebody else on the open market. So rather than guess where Doug Martin could sign, because there's a bevy of different situations around the NFL uh, that could use a man of his talents, let's talk about Charles Sims. Because if Martin leaves, uh, unless Tampa immediately signs like Matt Forte or Lamar Miller or somebody like that, Sims would be the number one guy. Now, I don't think you or I think he is going to be the number one guy. Um, when um, the NFL season starts. But what does this do for Dynasty if you own Sims? Are you going to try to shop him hard and see if you can get like maybe a first-round pick for him, uh, given that somebody might be hopping on the Sims bandwagon? Or are you going to hold tight and see what happens? Um, I would try and shop him, especially if you can get a, some sort of a blurb from Tampa coaching staff that they like what they see in Charles Sims and things of that nature, and then try and trade him at that point. I, and you remember last year at this time, before they before they draft Ezekiel Elliott, right? Yeah. Like well, then throws everything up the window. That's when you deal and you try and do right. that. But remember, last year at this time, we were talking about how the new coaching regime of Lovey Smith and and who was the um, the OC that they had, Dirk Ketter. Dirk Ketter. We're talking about how they love Sims and and maybe you know we're kind of soured on on Doug Martin. It seemed like they paid him a little bit of lip service, saying no, he's the starter. Love him, he's great. But Charles Sims, man, he yeah. is, and everybody's falling all over themselves talking about Charles Sims. And I feel like this could be the perfect time to deal him right now, given we could have the same situation where I even I Maybe was in talks. Perfect time to acquire him. Well, I I was in talks with our our friend of the show, Fred Osmond, uh, who uh, is in our Blake Carrington League. I was trying to acquire Charles Sims. Full disclosure. Last yeah. year. Last year, okay. Yeah, oh. and, and uh, I uh, for, uh, granted it was a package, but part of that package was my first-round pick, which was like the 106 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was all ready to hop on, and I'm obviously I'm glad I didn't because Doug Martin crushed it and finished second in the league in, in rushing. Um, but I think this is a cautionary tale that, uh, again, Sims should be, if Martin leaves, Sims, or maybe the 
now is the time you should be really shopping Sims. You know, if if Martin is going to be gone, now is the time to get Sims. You can get him uh, get a first a late first round pick for him, and you got to be thrilled with if, uh, yourself if you can get him off your roster and then have that chip. Even if you don't use the pick, you can trade it to to somebody else. I think that'd be a fantastic deal. You know, Sims does have. You know, it's funny. Sims is, he was he's like six foot two fourteen, if I remember correctly, when he came to college. He's not small. Yeah, so it's like I guess. I, I kind and he's of, a great pass catcher. So you have that. You have that skill set, which is tough to get. I guess I question whether or not. In, he, I, I question why he's just known as this. He's not like a 195-pound guy, so it's not like he couldn't become a three-down back. You know, he's shown that he can become the third-down back. What's to say he can't become the first or second-round back? So I'm kind of flipping it around a little. I'm reversing myself a little bit. Yeah. You talk about the Arizona coaching staff with David Johnson, how they talked him up when they drafted him, and you saw what happened. Now look at what he's doing. And what, I'm looking at what he's valued at right now. And what he's probably going to do this next season, I think he's going to be fantastic. Yeah. I mean, what's to say Sims really truly couldn't be that guy? I guess the question is not answered for me. I don't know if I would. I'd have to see. A one pick doesn't get me that excited if I own Sims and Martin Martin leaves. Bear in mind that uh, Sims could still be an RB two as the third down back. Bear in mind if you're an active dynasty owner and you're trying to achieve maximum value, maybe the way you do that is keeping Sims to to you know for the right amount of time. Then flipping him for the 112 before Sims loses value, and then the 112 still has value during your rookie draft, and then you flip that at the point where you're on the clock or two picks away, because that's usually the point where that late first round pick has the maximum value. Yeah, you if know. you're someone who trades a lot, we're not. But if you're one of those who do it, a lot of FFPC players are. They are. They love they, it. I, you know, I give them a lot of credit and power to them. Also, uh, two Packers listening, Fred Osmond, he doesn't. Trades in the carrying team, you know, two packers in the carrying team. Yeah. Fred is gonna, you know, he's gonna ask. For, what did he? What did he say about your it? first? Nothing. I'm just gonna give him a free oh, advice. Okay. All right. He's gonna ask for your firstborn on top of your. He's gonna screw you in the trades. Yeah. Firstborn, firstborn, first and first round. His team's always super old, so he's always trying to get younger. That he's is never true. younger. Very true. Uh, I want to bring in tonight's guest, uh, ladies and gentlemen. He's actually been playing uh, fantasy football for 15 years, including playing high stakes since year two of the old WCOF and dynasty football for 10 years. He has. Four FFPC Dynasty teams and collectively has played in 10 FFPC Dynasty seasons over the last 10 years, has made the playoffs in all 10 seasons, having won both his $500 and his 1250 league. He plays in several FFPC satellite leagues and quite a few local leagues for a total of at least 15 leagues last year. One of those leagues was the 1250 Dynasty League number seven with the FFPC, in which he won it as well as taking second place in the 500 Dynasty League number eight. Please welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, Mark Perino. Welcome in, Mark. Hey, guys. How are you? We're great. Doing well. Excited to have you on the show tonight, Mark. You don't know this, and I actually haven't mentioned this to Dave yet, but this is sort of, you know, given that we let off the show with some combine news, um, this is sort of our unofficial dynasty kick. Pretty dynasty-centric up until... Uh, the end of April, when we'll start looking harder at drafts. But for a guy like you, Mark, who who has had so much success uh, on in the FFPC, never missing the playoffs in 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 all of your seasons, there a lot to live up to tonight. So I'm putting a lot of pressure on you to start off the interview. <laughs> yeah, thanks, I appreciate. It. <laughs> please no please, there, please right? don't blow it. Yeah, don't don't, don't blow, blow it. it. This is this is sweet yeah, week I, in the podcast world. Yeah, if this I wasn't is, nervous enough now, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, now, see, listen, it, it's it's all downhill from here. If we can get a couple hundred, you know, downloads, we'll be we'll be real happy. Yeah, I, a couple dozen. <laughs> Mark, uh, tell us tell us what you do for a living. I am a realtor. I'm in real estate. Um, a big part of what I do in real estate is uh, flip houses. I've been a residential realtor for about twelve years, but flipping houses, and that's probably the bulk of what I do. I've been doing that for about eight years. And uh, I guess the beauty of all that is it allows me a lot of flexibility to do all the fantasy that I ultimately do. And uh, I'm making a push now, whether successful or not, we'll see, to try to really get into the daily stuff and see if I can earn a supplemental income with that. But uh, I don't know. It's a tough road to hoe. Yeah, daily can be challenging. So tell me about the real estate business. Um, so you watch that <laughs> – I always ask these questions. Do you want – is it the um, – that show where, the, you know, where they talk about flipping houses, it's the, it's the husband and wife. Flip or flop. Flip or flop. Yeah, do you watch that show at all? Yeah, I am, I'm guilty, yeah. It's, that what do you think of it? To watch. Is, it is, is it pretty realistic? <laughs> well, you know, I know the guy, that guy's so know, cute. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, <laughs> you know what? I don't know. I've, uh, I've heard different things. I mean, you know, California's market's way crazy compared to where I'm at in Michigan. So, you know, the housing prices out there and they hit, you know, big drought in the housing market like we did here. But, uh, I don't know. I, I know friends, somebody that, uh, my brother's wife is from Texas and those guys, the property brothers, those twin brothers that do the same show. Yep. They, uh, their best friends were on that show and said nothing that was represented on the show was what actually happened. In fact, they actually got kind of railroaded through the whole process. So I'm not sure how much, how, how lifelike or real they are or not. I don't honestly know. But I tell you what, though, everybody, since I started eight years ago when hardly anyone was doing it, those shows now, it's making it really difficult because everybody and their grandfather thinks they can flip a house now. So, but yeah, uh, <laughs> it's making them harder to find for me. Yeah, I imagine it's, it's tougher to get inventory. Um, yeah, yeah. And, you know, you, you see some of those houses. I look at the house in California. It's like, you know, it, it, it's like a total pile of crap. Bulky, the thing would sell for like ninety-five grand here in Wisconsin. Right. And it's like, oh, this one's valued at four hundred thousand. If yeah. we fix it up, it could be worth like six six twenty-five. And it's like, dude, that thing sucks. You know, it's the terrible. What do yeah. you think of that? <laughs> yeah, that's how it is here. Same thing. I agree. The same house here that would sell for, like you said, in Wisconsin for ninety-five grand goes for a quarter of a million dollars there. I don't know. They're doing something right. I'm sure those the shows have to supplement them some way, but yeah, that market is crazy. I have a cousin that lives in California and it is, that market is that way. So I don't know. There, there's probably some truth to it. Sounds good. So um, let's talk fantasy a little bit. You've made the dynasty playoffs in all 10 of your seasons, which my buddy Leroy wasn't that impressed with that today. We were telling him and he's like, wait, 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 hold on, me. hold on, hold on. Huh? Leroy said, had this conversation with <laughs> yeah, you we were, too. I was, yeah. He's like, Oh, that just means you finished in the top six. Big deal. So, okay, so apparently Leroy is trying his material out on you yeah. and then talking to me about it. I'm like, Leroy, you don't even play Dynasty. Why don't you just shut up for a little bit? So, yeah. anyway, I, I defended you. Don't worry about it. So Thank you. You, you. you finished in the top half of your league. I'm just kidding. Um, so, no, but that is it's very impressive because I can tell you I haven't done that in my league. Um, so, what's been your key to your so much, having so much consistent success? You know, what's funny is I, I think I view it, Dynasty, different than a lot of people view it. Um, I'm amazed. I've done obviously four startups with FFPC now, and every time I'm amazed at how much value everyone places on the young guys. And I know that probably sounds a little silly because it's a dynasty, but the FFPC format with, you know, 20 roster spots is kind of shallow, especially when you factor the 16 cutdown this time of the season that's coming up. You don't really have time to roster a lot of young guys, watch them develop. And, and draft them like that. Last year in our 1250 startup, the first year of it, I should say, I guess it's two seasons ago now. No, last year in the rookie draft, for instance, we uh, third or fourth round, I'm not sure what round it was. Everyone snagging rookies and flyer rookies and deep rookies. We drafted D'Angelo Williams. And we thought, yep. you know what? Victory points make a big difference. This guy's going to be solid in a dynamic offense for two games. My partner and I discussed it and said, you know, it makes a lot of sense for us. So we said, if not, then after it's over, if we get a good offer to the owner of Le'Veon Bell, we'll flip him. And if we don't, we'll hold him. And we rode him right through the championship. So I don't know. I, you know I've nabbed guys like Brandon Marshall and Julian Edelman in my first year, Wes Welk for four years. I mean, these guys in the fifth, sixth, seventh round, some of these guys. Andre Johnson, four years ago in the seventh round, I want to say I got him. Nice. And I just, it blows me away that. The guys put so much emphasis on the young guys. Last year, before the 1250 season started, we were shopping Levy or LaShawn McCoy. And my response from a guy was, we don't want an old back like McCoy in a trade. <laughs> I'm like, he was 26 years old. I'm like, holy crap. So, I don't know. I think I view it differently. I just, I don't, I don't, I'll take those guys. Give me Brandon Marshall. Give me Julian Edelman. I'll ride them for two or three years. And I'll retool. I'm, I'm active on the waiver wire. I'm, you know, able to nab some guys ahead of the, you know, I do a ton of research. So I'm, you know, I'm with my job and the flexibility. I'm allowed to, to really, you know, I hone in. I'm, I'm, everyone thinks I'm a nut. But at the end of the day, <laughs> I'm able to, I'll, it's, I don't know, it's crazy. I just think too much emphasis. Is, you know, that sounds like it flies in the face of dynasty. But that's, I just, that's, I think the biggest thing, that's the difference for me at least. No, I think that's, I, those are very, very good points. Uh, my, you know, I was talking, talking about uh, my friend Kurt. He he said he took Steve Smith and uh, Marcus Colson in the. He took Steve Smith and uh, the running back from uh, New England, the the bruiser back. Blunt, like Blunt, Blunt. 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 Yeah. 
been a long day, Balky. He took he took those guys in the he took Steve Smith, like Garrett Blunt, and Marcus Colson like the fourth, fifth, and sixth rounds last year of his team. He has like a, a not an old team, but he's got some good studs on it. And he's like he was all happy about getting Steve Smith, and he and he started Steve Smith for a lot of the season. This yeah. is well, I'm yeah, trying to think was a, like he was a yeah sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. You're the guest. We, yeah, we talk over people all the time, so just tell us to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> no, but look, you're right, though. Steve Smith was a beast, which actually surprised me again last year. He does it to me every year. But the uh, first half of that year, he was crazy good. I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's just like it's crazy that you can, I don't know, get these guys in that, you know, I traded Brandon Marshall and Marshawn Lynch last year in one of my leagues for Alshon Jeffrey. And I know people think that's crazy, but – well, and now it's hurting me, I guess, with Lynch retiring. But Marshall just had a 100-catch season and 1,500 yards and, what, 12 or 13 touchdowns? I, so, yep. it's, it's I don't know. It's an interesting idea. I mean, it, it does fly in the face of conventional logic, but actually when everyone's zigging and you zagging, that actually really helps because you're picking off you – know, they're, they're, they're drafting all these really, really crappy rookies who will never amount to anything. You know, the Jay Morrows of the world, they're like, oh, you know, early – The job at best yeah, of the world. Fuck you! I got a cigarette. Yeah. Come, come on, this is trying to be a friendly show tonight. Yeah. Now you're not, here we go. That's the first name that came to mind. It's like the Republican debate. You know, you're you're a choke artist. Uh, what are having, you talking about? We're having some fun today. Yeah, we don't win anymore. We don't win it. We don't, we don't, yeah, exactly. That's like Donald Can't Trump impression. <laughs> Mark, let me ask you uh, something that I think is is the is the clear follow up to to your answer to that question. Um, when when you're not concentrating on the young guys when you're not concentrating on the guys that will develop uh and and become the super studs you're taking the older guys you're taking the guys that are sort of in their prime um because they're the players that get devalued so how do you doing that strategy uh you know how do you make sure that you're not rebuilding how are you making sure that you're still making the playoffs every year how are you making sure that there aren't any years for you where you're not competing for a title those final few weeks of the season well, you know, it's funny. I think, again, the research for me, I've been lucky and able to nab guys, Thomas Rawls, and four or five years ago, Noshan Moreno and Denary Alexander, when they had a couple years or a year or so run left in them. Active on the wire in order to get guys, I think, that I can then turn around and trade, or youth, like now Thomas Rawls is going to be a staple on one of my, um, I think, my 750 team. But the other thing is, I don't know, like last year, my 1250 team that won that league in my final roster for the two weeks of the playoffs, I had Kamar Aiken and D'Angelo Williams and Zach Miller and Bilal Powell. <laughs> I think started for both of those weeks and I mean, they were solid. I mean, those guys aren't probably on anybody's dynasty roster right now and probably won't be on mine for too much longer. Although I do like Powell's upside and Kamar Aiken may have some life left in him, but I guess it's that I'm not afraid to, play the waiver wire, ride those guys for a while. I've traded Gronk two or three times, both four and away. Le'Veon Bell, Demarius Thomas, Josh Gordon. I've traded a ton of studs. I just traded Le'Veon Bell in my one dynasty league, and I got Jarvis Landry, Alan Hearns, and a first-round pick. So I'm able to kind of, yeah, I'm able to shift back and forth, get guys, and, and I think, you know, I'm just really active between waiver wires, pickups, drops, you know, not afraid to, and like I said, you know, back to the to the roster com- composition. When you can only roster twenty guys, you really can't hold on to some. There's guys right now I'm facing cuts with that I don't want to do, but for that very reason, I'm going to have to probably drop them, and then I'll hopefully I can get them back in the rookie draft or whatever. But I have no problem doing that because I'll pick them back up. I, you know, I make notes and and we'll grab them again in the future. But you know, I'll t- you know, Bilal Powell and Kamarikin and Zach Miller certainly aren't sexy names, but I'll take them to the end. I don't care. So I don't know. It's just constantly retooling, reflow, you know, and then being active. I, I try to always stay ahead of the ahead of the groove and, and you know, with the waiver wire. So I think that has a lot to do with it. Like I said, and I just you know constantly work in the trades and and uh, and I you know if you look at my teams now, not all of them, but most of them I think still have some pretty good dynasty players and upside guys. But I don't know. So actually, uh, Mark. That's in, you know, talking about our format in Dynasty, you know, for those that aren't familiar in the FFPC, you have 20 players, uh, including a kicker and defense, on your regular season roster. <clears throat> and then as we get to February 29th this year, we got an extra day, uh, you cut down to 16 players. You still have to kick a keep, a keep a kicker and a defense, so that's 14 skilled players. What's your general opinion of, of the way that that 
format is structured. I mean, <clears throat> and I, before you answer, I mean, I'll give you kind of our take on why we why we kind of went to that in the first place. We thought it would favor a lot of trading in the early off season. We thought it would help keep parity in the leagues going. And we also felt it would make the rookie and Asian drafts more interesting by having a lot more old guys in the mix. And like you said, having to cut guys you may not want to cut, making uncomfortable decisions, even in advance of free agency. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think your format does exactly what you want it to do. It, it precipitates, you know, an active league. It, it, you really got to think it through with the guys that you want to cut. And then you got to have strategy to determine, you know, if I cut this guy, what draft picks do I have in the free agent rookie draft? Can I get them back? And who's likely to be taken or at what time? Or, you know, you got to evaluate all that. I, you know, I go both ways with it. I love yours because it is competitive and I love the trade. And it, you're right, it forces a lot of trades. Um, I like deeper leagues too because I feel like one of my niches, if I have one, is uh, doing a lot of research and, and grabbing some waiver wire guys and stashing some guys on the roster. But your guys, that's what I think I think is so cool about it is that you really can't do that. So it is, uh, it's a neat because you know I, I'm in like it's like Christmas morning for me all, all the time. Here I'm making trades in February and March and in January and. I mean, it's unbelievable. That's what I think is so cool about it. I mean, I'm about to join another one of your guys' leagues, that 750 startup. I just I can't get enough of it. I, I really honestly I think I'm going to join a couple of them actually this year. So it is right. a cool format. And, yeah, and for somebody who loves fantasy football like we all do, and, and you know, you, what can you ask for? Listen to what we're doing right now. On, you know, late February, it's snowing outside, and, and we're talking fantasy football. So, I know I love it. I just I think it's a it's a really neat format, and uh, I do I agree that the shallower rosters like that promote a lot of activity. And you know the trades are constantly going. My email blows up every day with four leagues, it's, and it's amazing. I sleep with my phone next to my ear, and it beeps. And uh, I can't I'll, in the middle of the night I'll wake up and look and see if I got a trade offer. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, Mark, I think first of all I think since it's snowing in February, we're in Wisconsin. I've been pitching my wife to move to like the Marco Island, Florida area. And let me tell you, the real estate market there is quite good. So maybe we should just, you know, kind of get into a, a flip flipping business down there together. And, you know, then we'll be hey. sitting on the beach earning 20%. Nice. You wouldn't have to <laughs> twist my arm very hard there. I'm actually leaving for Florida in the morning. Um, ah, to go to ah, Disney you. and take the kids for, yeah, for 10 days. I'm heading out of here and we just got bombed with snow. So it couldn't be a better time. <laughs> tell us about where you're going. Tell us about that. Well, I've got two young kids, so a uh, seven and a ten-year-old, and we're taking them to Orlando, so we'll be at Disney for a couple of days and Universal. We've got a condo, and then my father-in-law and mother-in-law have a condo down there that they're renting for a month, so we're going to stay with them for a couple of days on our way back. So it well, should be good. The that, kids can hardly sleep. What's that? Just tell your wife that, that, that this trip is paid for by your 1250 Dynasty winnings, and that way you should, you should <laughs> have a problem with your fantasy addiction. Yeah, you know, I'm very lucky. I shouldn't say it too loud. I hope she doesn't hear but she actually pushes me because she sees how much A, I enjoy it, and B, I've had a fair amount of success with it, that she actually pushes me to get in more leagues and to do more <laughs> fantasy. And I'm like, it blows me away. I, I Sometimes I look and I'm like, I think I pinch myself to see if I'm sleeping, but that's yeah, <laughs> kind of crazy. Pick the right one, my friend. Um, yeah. Back to fantasy. Uh, congrats. You, know, you won the 1250 number seven league this year. Um, you were using Dion Lewis a lot early in the season. He obviously got dinged up, um, obviously out, out for the year. How, how good do you think he's going to be in 2016? Do you think Belichick's going to use him a lot? And uh, how many? who would you trade straight up for him right now? You know, that's a good question. I, it's funny because I kind of had a man crush on him going into last year. And between the four FFPC dynasty leagues that I have and then the two locals that I run here, he's on five out of my six teams. So I had a feeling about him going into the year, and, and for half a season I was right. <laughs> But uh, I don't know. I still really like him. And I, I feel, you know, obviously you never know in New England with Belichick, but I feel like uh, the passing down back, especially as electric as he is, is fairly safe in that offense, more so than, you know, Blunt and Bolden and guys who get Belichick quite often. Um, so I do like him going into this. Who I would trade him for straight up, you know, it's funny is, I don't know if I value him way higher than he is worth or everyone's trying to steal him from me because I get a ton of offers between the three of the four FFPC teams that I have him on. And I'm not getting great offers, you know, third round picks, fourth round picks. And I think, you know, I'd rather cut him than trade him for that right now. But, <laughs> um, 
you know, I would obviously, you know, all the obvious guys, the Gurleys, the Lavelles, the Devonta Freeman, David Johnson, those in a heartbeat. I would do it for Lamar Miller and McCoy and Yeldon, obviously, probably AP and Lacey, Thomas Rawls, Carlos Hyde. It'll start getting dicier, though, after that. I mean, I like Doug Martin. I like Mark Ingram, but, eh, I, 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 I can't figure out which is the real Doug Martin. Is it last year and his rookie year, or was it the in-between years, or is it somewhere in between? So, um, but I'd be hard pressed for like the Gio Bernards, the Jeremy Hills, the Langford, CJ, and it'll start getting dicey there. So I think that's kind of where I would, I'd have to really think it through before I would do a trade up for any of those guys. You know, I got to ask you a selfish question uh, here, Mark, regarding Emmanuel Sanders. I actually own him in my dynasty league. And recently, I would say within the last week or so, I Is feel that Carrington? Yeah, Carrington. You should trade. I mean, you okay, always well, talk about him. So you right, should just trade him. Right, so, him right, exactly. Yeah, so I've, I've been thinking about what, <laughs> how I, I should be actively shopping uh, Sanders to see what I can get for him. What do you think, assuming Brock Osweiler is the quarterback uh, this year for Denver, what do you? What are Sanders' prospects? I mean, can he be a top – I mean, I know he could be a top 25 guy, but do you think he finishes in the top 25 for receivers next year? You know, I think so. I, you know, I don't know if I'm convinced of it or I'm trying to talk myself into it for the same reasons that you're talking about, but – I really believe that with the OTAs, the training camp, and a full preseason of games working together, if he is indeed the quarterback, that they're obviously going to do more gelling and come together pretty quick. You could actually see it, in my opinion, as Osweiler got more familiar with the offense and they played. He actually averaged probably a couple more yards per game with Osweiler than he did with Peyton. He did it in fewer receptions, which probably speaks to Manning's you know, loss of his arm strength and and the offense, but he actually, with fewer receptions, averaged more yards with Osweiler. Um, so, yeah, and then, like, you know, the one thing about it, though, as we, or at least as I've said, it, you know, for a 28-year-old receiver with a new quarterback, what are you going to get for him? So it, it's hard, you know, I don't want to trade when the guy's value is low. I'm going to trade while, at least, you know, theoretically while it's high, and right now that's probably not the time. So, but, yeah, I actually do still view him as a solid number two wide receiver right now, and I think he can be, especially – you know, I think, like I said, there was, they were starting to go, hell, yeah, that one monster game. And you have like 180 yards that one week with Osweiler. Yeah. So I think there's definitely. So, yeah, I, I do. I do think he's still going to be a solid, at least low-end number two. So, Mark, I know you watch the real estate reality shows, but I know if you ever watch like MTV's Real World, we're putting you into the confessional booth right now. The NFL Combine is going on. And we want you to tell us, none of your none of your league mates are listening. So tell us who you like. Yeah, just. Just tell, confess to us the guys that you like uh, for the rookie draft this season. Uh, you really want me to make an honest confession? I'm, <laughs> you're not I'm paying so attention. <laughs> you're, you're closing deals. <laughs> yeah, I'm so invested into the into NFL that I really don't watch, other than my Michigan, my college team, I don't watch a lot of college football. So usually it's the combine that kind of kicks off my research and where I really start going gangbusters to – and, I, you know – I I don't know, many would say I'm a pretty tireless researcher. So from here going forward to rookie drafts is really when I'm going to do most of my research and, and make my headway if I do. Um, I mean, I do have my eyes on a couple of guys. Obviously, Ezekiel Elliott just looks like a beast. After, I mean, looking at it up today at the Combine, and, and the guy looks like a just, I don't know, he seems to me to be the obvious number one choice. And I'm not sure that the wide receiver class is what it's been two years ago or even what it was last year to compete with him at number one. Um, I do like Howard, the other running back as well. I think he could be – he's not at the dynasty, he's not at the combine this year. I think he's going to do his pro day. But he's uh, – I think he could be a close second to Derrick Henry as far as that running back. And then you know my man crush on Deion Lewis. I think that Kenneth Dixon reminds me a lot of Deion Lewis at running back. Receivers-wise, you know, LaCon Chevro seems to be the consensus number one right now. Um, but I like that Sterling Shepard, that guy I've heard is – probably the one of the best route runners in college football. And it seems like he could have a nice career. And then uh, a lot of people really like John Brown in the NFL that Corey Coleman reminds me a lot of John Brown. I think he's going to be pretty good as well. But, and then those two Arkansas backs I like as well, but I, that's probably, you know, I don't put a lot of stock in rookie quarterbacks. I mean, there's one or two that you might consider in a draft, obviously Sands and Andrew Luck type that comes out or, but, um, yeah, I think the two running backs for Arkansas, the Jonathan Williams, and uh, I don't think he was – he didn't even play last year, but I think that guy could be a beast. So 
I think that to this point is about the extent of my uh, knowledge of the rookie class, at least now, if we had this conversation in a month or two, then I better know a lot more, but uh. <laughs> we'll have you back on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Mark, on, on both your, uh, and your, on your winning 1250 team, on your runner up uh, 500 team, you have uh, some, some guys on there that may have hit their peaks. Uh, you know, they're a little bit uh, long in the tooth as the kids say, or the adults say, uh, you, what are you doing? With uh, guys like Brandon Marshall, Vincent Jackson, Jason Witten, I mean, are these guys that you're that you're actively shopping, or you're just seeing what kind of deal, what kind of offers come around for them? Yeah, you know what? I don't. I have a little bit with some of them. I posted some stuff on the message boards. You know, I got some tough cuts to make. This, that, and the other. I've thrown a couple things out with Vincent Jackson. I wouldn't trade Brandon Marshall right now. Uh, just for what, everything I've discussed or we've discussed to this point. I mean, for them, he's a 31-year-old, you know, 26-year-old LaShawn McCoy wasn't worth much. I can't imagine what a 31-year-old, almost 32-year-old Brandon Marshall would bring, even though he's had, what, 600-yard reception seasons and coming off his best year. Um, so, I, yeah, I don't do a lot of it. I'll end up cutting them. Sometimes I don't want to bring a lot of attention to it because I may cut the guys and then try to get them back in the rookie draft. Um, but, yeah, I've got some – you know, Vincent Jackson will probably, you know, hopefully nobody's listening in my leagues, right? But I'll probably end up cutting him right now. Jason Witten may be a cut as well. But I don't – there's a few guys that I think, you know, like D'Angelo Williams we talked about. If somebody – the Blood Belt owner, I've tried shopping him a couple times just to see. But he's not giving me enough of what I think is worth it to the point where, hell, I'll keep him if that's the case. So, kind of as I discussed before. So, yeah, I don't know. I've done some shopping, and I've got some tough cuts, but I'll – uh that's about it. I don't know. I, you know, the format, like I said, I love it. So it just allows for that. If you look at everybody's rosters, I don't know what they're going to do. It's hard to do that right now because if you look at most of the rosters, they got 20, 22, 23 guys. So I'm hard pressed to want to make offers when I know they're facing the same situation that I have right now. Mark, I'm sifting through the emails here and I, I know we're running short on time, uh, but I did see one here that I think uh, you'd be, a quasi-expert on given uh, your geographic location. It's a Lions question from Chuck in Worcester, Massachusetts. He writes, hi, Mark, how good will Amir Abdullah be next year with a seemingly Calvin-less team? And is Zach Zenner a good late-round pick? Thank you. Thanks for the email. Chuck in Worcester, Massachusetts. So, Mark, talk a little bit about that um, ground game for Detroit uh, in 2016, assuming Calvin Johnson's not around. Yeah. You know, I do like the direction they're heading with with uh, old Scooter, their uh, offensive coordinator. They seem to make some nice headway this, after they put him at the offensive coordinator. And um, I think I loved Amir Abdullah coming into this draft and into last year. And I had him had him in my local dynasty team, and, and it, it took a Todd Gurley trade for me to actually flip him. So now I got Todd Gurley. So that that, that worked out okay. But the, <laughs> I do like. <laughs> I like Amir Abdullah a lot, and I definitely think that he's got a big role in this offense. I wish Riddick, uh, Theo Riddick would go away, and, and it would be perfect for him. But, yeah, I do think Zach Zenner makes for a nice late-round pick, and I do really like the upside of Amir Abdullah. And I think you're right. With Calvin more likely than not gone, I think this offense is going to have to be more balanced, and I definitely think Amir Abdullah will be a, a high-end running back, too, this coming season at the very least. And I think Zenner is going to take on more of that Joyce Bell role and we'll see, you know, it's hard to know. It was great in the preseason and then, you know, didn't do much during the season. It looked like he was going to get a bigger role. I picked him up in a couple of the leagues and then, you know, he got hurt, collapsed his lung. And so I don't know, he remains a little bit of a question mark. If he can do anything like he did in the preseason last year, I think he's going to be, he could take over that Joyce Bell role pretty easily. David, final question we have for Mark tonight. Um, or, hang on, let me do. Let me dig it up here. All right, hey, here we go. All right, Mark. Just all these re- re- real estate listings in Michigan that that you have in front. Yeah, of Yeah, you right know, I, I got a couple of inquiries here. Yeah. I'm on Zillow right now. So, just the guy that right now you're really starting to like for redraft from as much as possible for 2016. This is redraft, so we're switching it up on you a little bit. Okay, you broke up for a second. You said guys I really like in redraft. Yeah, one yeah, redraft, one you like and one you hate. One I like and one I hate. All right, you know, a guy that I really like a lot and will try to have a lot of on many of my leagues next year, my redraft leagues, is Allen Robinson. And 
but I think he's pretty obvious. But a guy I'm really, really warming up to is Devontae Parker. I, uh, the more I see him, the more I look at him, the more I read about him, the more I watch him on tape, I think he could, uh, you know, especially what he did the little, uh, you know, at the end of last year, I think he could be very good. And I love him in an Adam Gase offense. So I think uh, he's got some pretty big upside next year. Guys that I don't like. Wow, that's a good question. Um, you know what? I say this every year, and I hate to say it because most of the time I'm wrong. Like every year I said something about Frank Gore. He can't do it again. He can't do it again. So then last year I dressed him thinking, oh, that indie offense, he's going to go crazy, and he ends up kind of screwing me. That does a, I just can't get him right. And I'm, Adrian Peterson is one that I'm not real crazy about going forward, and, and I'm probably going to be wrong. I traded him a long time ago in the Dynasty League, too, and I, I thought he couldn't just endure the beating that he tended to take, and, and man, that guy's just a freak of nature. So I'll probably be wrong again, but he's one that I'll probably be avoiding next year. Well, we certainly appreciate the insight, Mark. I want to thank you for coming on the show tonight. Best of luck to you in your existing FFPC Dynasty Leagues, and best of luck in those startups that we have uh, opening up uh, in May as well. That'll be very exciting uh, to uh, to have you in those, and uh, your your phone will be beeping by your head in the middle of the night even more now with, uh, with trade offers. Enjoy the vacation to Florida, man. Thanks so much for coming on, and congrats to all the success you've had so far. Hey, I appreciate it, guys. Thanks a lot. I was honored to be asked to come on, and I appreciate the uh, the invite. So you guys take care, and I appreciate it. All Thanks, right. Mark. Thanks, Mark. We appreciate you coming on. Mark Perino, uh, 1250 number seven champ, 500 Dynasty League number eight runner-up. And uh, if you ever look at the Kings of Dynasty page on the myffpc.com website, Mark's name is littered on there. It's all over. That Kings of Dynasty page, that was the worst idea ever. <laughs> Why? Because yeah, everybody always wants it to get updated. I'm like, I did notice it's not updated from last year. I, whenever I get the inquiries, I try to ignore them as long as possible until I hope someone else updates it. So that's my general rule. Do you want me to update it? If you give me the information, I can update that's it. The, that's the problem. I got to find all the information. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, you know, I guess we could probably get that from our, our tech friends. Are we oh, really doing the wide receivers in review? I actually calculated the speed scores manually, bulky for these running backs here in the. Comments. Oh, do you want? Oh, listen. Talk about the, I feel yeah. like I'm this rookie. You know, hey, this no, rookie no, no, no. Listen, once, once. You going on rookie stuff? Far be it for me to be the peg on the hill that stops that ball from rolling down. We can always down. talk about the review. Yeah, the no, no, we've we've pushed that back many a time. Let's talk about. I can't, so this is what you're doing the whole time. Is the, is no, the not the whole time. Course? I was doing the interviews, but I did that in the first like three minutes. Okay, when I was talking. Right. Talking about Charles Sims. Yeah, you know who our sponsor? Who's our sponsor this month? I didn't, I didn't hear. Wendy's. Oh, Wendy's. Yeah. Okay. All month, by the way. This is the last show of the month. Well, I, you know, Wendy's, I appreciate it. And, you know, talking about Wendy's, I'm going to lead into Wendell Smallwood, the running back from West Virginia. All right. <laughs> Isn't that a great yeah, that was, segue? That was I love fantastic. using a broadcasting yeah. So, anyway, he was, I looked at him. He's a, he ran a 4.4740. He had a 104 speed score, which is pretty impressive, Paul. The, Anything is, what, what's, any, what, can you give me his size or his height and weight? Uh, yeah. This is what's his name? Smallwood. Wendell Smallwood from West Virginia. He's one of the guys that I drafted in those Fanduel teams who actually did pretty well. Okay. Usually. Five ten. He's five ten, two oh eight. So he's not, he's a what they would call a moderate size back. I mean, not okay. he's not a two hundred pound guy, but he, you know, two hundred pound guys, those guys got to run like four threes. Like, mm-hmm. That's the job of best Jamal Charles types to prove themselves to be you know NFL running backs. Well, I'm sorry. What order are you giving these speed scores? Uh, bottom up. I mean, starting you know, with the, number the, uh, five. You know, number five. The really crappy ones. I'm not going to go into, and there's okay. a few, and I, I, like I said, I did this at the beginning of the show. So you're doing notable have, ones. Yeah, I might have missed a few. Okay, that's fine. So Wendell Smallwood, pretty impressive. One over, anything over 100 is considered, you know, NFL caliber or better. It's a pretty good score. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a productive back, so I, I do like him, actually. I think, I don't, I'm not exactly sure where he's going to get drafted. He will be drafted probably, like, let's say third round or so. Um, yeah, maybe fourth. Is that where they're I, t- t- I don't know. T- like, listen, pre-show tonight, you talking about Smallwood, was literally the most I've ever heard well, Quentin Smallwood be discussed. Wendell. His name is Wendell. Wendy's. I'm thinking of Quentin Spotwood from, well, remember the old Syracuse receiver? Yeah. yeah. So, okay, to further that, he had a three-cone goal, 6.83. That's probably one of the best scores. It might have been the best score, actually, this year. Uh, jump 120 inches, 33.5 vertical. That's not super impressive, necessarily. But, you know, overall, it's pretty solid. Okay. So, you like Smallwood. I think Smallwood did well. Thanks uh, for laughing. <laughs> uh <laughs> Daniel Lasco. Yeah. Lasco. Yeah. Lasco. He went to Cal. Yeah. He must not be totally stupid. I like this guy. And, you know, I know you said he's a. Uh, so he had, he had the 
One of the top scores in the or top 40 yard dashes, yeah. 446. Me- measurables are really, really good. 105.82 in the uh, speed score category. Okay, so almost Four, a 106. Okay, the leaps are incredible. 41 and a half inch vertical, 135 inches in the broad jump, both tops in the category. And that's what you want from a running back, those strong quads and, and glutes and, and um, hamstrings, you know, that, and that's, that's where the explosion part comes. And, and I think that th- that's a big, and people are not talking about this guy because he was hurt so much last year and he missed most, if not all the season. I don't think he missed the whole season, but most of the season, people are sleeping on this guy. Remember just because a guy's hurt in college doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to transfer over in the pros. See exhibit a Adrian Peterson. Absolutely true. Um, they say his weaknesses are that he doesn't have a lot of vision, and I have not watched film on him, so the film guys might hate him. So, mm-hmm. I mean, again, I have to kind of watch that and see, see how he does. Roto World had a blurb on him today that if if you want to see the best of him, you got to watch the Stanford game uh, from this year. Okay, uh, that, that was his best tape. I'll put that down. I might actually watch You're not going to watch that game. No, I watch I watch film. Do you really? No, I don't, I'm not going to watch the whole game. I'm going to watch the uh, little... Oh, the, the YouTube? What, what's like, the uh, draft breakdown or draft something earlier? Uh, I don't know. Some draft breakdown sounds familiar. Yeah, it might be that. Okay. It's one of those sites that puts together 10-minute clips of guys. Okay. All right, so next up on my list, Ezekiel Elliott. And wow, number three. Yeah, it's still pretty good. I mean, yeah. 112.71 is what I calculated manually okay. doing the you know various math calculations here. Probably That's going a to be, very good score. Right. Probably going to be a first-round running back, and he's probably going to be the first running back off the board. So he's got he's got the stats. He's got the film, and now he's proven it with the measurables. I mean, he did very well today. So I, I think he's kind of solidified himself there, and I think he's in great shape. He's a uh, Big Ten guy, so he's going up against tough defenses, albeit slow Big Ten defenses. <laughs> um, but, no, I, I think you make a lot of good points. Great. Uh, was it Josh Norris from Roto World says that he might be the best pass protection back he's ever seen coming out of college? And then, So right there, that. That, if you're looking at him for redraft, that right there is a good reason to possibly consider taking him because a lot of times this is where the guys suck is that they're bad at the pass blocking and then they don't get on the field till week nine and then by then you're out of the playoffs. Exactly, yep. All right, number two, your boy, not really, but Derrick Henry. How is he my boy? I'm just kidding. He's my boy, Derrick Henry. 247 pounds, 45440. It's an incredible number. Yeah. I mean, we talked about it uh, faster than Amir Abdullah. And he was carrying more than 40 pounds extra than Abdullah was at, leaps, at the combine. His leaps were also really impressive, especially given his size. A 37-inch vertical, 130-inch broad jump. You know, his only kind of poor performances were in the three-cone and the uh, 20-yard shuttle. They were not quite as good. 22 reps on the bench press. That's pretty solid. Of course, when you weigh 247 pounds... You know, you got you got to bench a lot. Yeah, and it's tough to get that 242 pounds to change direction in the three cone. Would you say the three cone drill? Oh, we talked about this at the top of the show. It, it was not good, but it wasn't terrible. I agree. I mean, and you look at Jeremy Hill; he's had success in the NFL. He was really not good at that, but I mean, he's a 235 pound back. So I think, and I don't think Lynch was ever all that great in those type of you know shifting direction type drills. But that doesn't mean that they can't be good NFL backs because they're just moving downhill the whole time. Okay, well, that's fair enough. Uh, you think he, Derrick Henry's a first-round pick? He might be able to creep into the first round. I don't think he does. What the hell do I know? Well, plenty, uh, <laughs> uh, based on your track record. I'm just looking at this. That was number two. Um, a former five-star recruit, went to Georgia, Keith oh, Marshall, yeah, yeah, yeah. a 4-3-140 at, what do you weigh, 219? Yeah, 219, at 219 pounds, a 4 3 one, it's ridiculous. He's had a ton of ACL injuries. Wow. 20, well, two, whatever. <laughs> ton. It, that's a ton, right? I mean, no, I mean, it's not a ton. It's two. Well, two. That's like, that's more than zero. That's, you know, so, right. so what's a ton? Was it, hold on. Was it in the same knee? Do you know? Oh, uh, yes. I think it's same the right, right okay. knee. So that's a 126.96 speed score. That's metrics heaven. It's the highest you ever remember at the combine off the uh, top of your head. There Chris, a, there, Chris Johnson? I don't think so. No, because he's too small. There was a guy. I know Nile just had a big one. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, Kristen Michaels was quite good, but mm-hmm. I don't think his was as high. There was a guy that drafted like the seventh round that never amounted to anything that hit a massive one, but he just did. He wasn't. He got hurt again, I think, and didn't do anything. Okay. Um, Marshall also had 25 reps in the bench press. All of his teammates actually were going crazy on Twitter and, you know, all of his social media once he ran that. So, you know, it sounds like he's a good guy. They like him. You know, his, you know, his teammates liked him. So he's someone to look out for. I mean, he's a guy that might get drafted. You know, he might get drafted later than one would think, given all the injury issues. 
maybe he's not going to be that expensive. You might get him for cheap. There's your 1.12 pick, possibly. You know what I mean? Again, oh, I think you get him cheaper than that. I well, think you can get him well. in the second round, unless he goes to a great well, situation. Well, you know, there's so much, there's so much, so many things changing, but right. there's a chance for this guy. Um, trivia on uh, what's his name? Keith Marshall. Yes. Okay. Quentin Marshall. Yeah, Quentin Marshall. <laughs> uh, he um, was recruited in the same. He came in the same recruiting class in Georgia. As one Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley, exactly. So you got to think about, too, with, with what Marshall had going against him, not just the ACL, but how are you going to get exposure playing ahead of not only Todd Gurley, but Nick Chubb, too. Remember, Nick Chubb was exactly. was, was getting a, a ton of playing time after Gurley got hurt. And then last year, Chubb, um, you know, obviously was the foundation running back for Georgia. So I think that Marshall's an interesting guy. I, I question... Um, I don't want to say his question is football ability, but right now I think he is is probably a day three pick, you know. So so we will not more than likely, Dave, we will not get to see him drafted when we go to the draft in Chicago this year. Although anyone can join us at days one and two. Yeah. Well, you're right. He, Hold probably, on. Will, he uh, probably will be a day three pick, but I mean, I would just say like I, I do put a lot of faith. Uh, Mike Santos and I used to talk about this a lot. You know, a guy that's a five-star recruit coming into college, and mm-hmm. he goes to an SEC school. He's on a scholarship. He's had injury issues, and then he comes out for the combine, and he and he flashes, shows, proves that he still has that speed. Mm-hmm. He's still an athletic specimen. He's still a person that got recruited as a five-star recruit. He just has the injury issues. He doesn't have. Right. You know, he's not. He's never beaten up his girlfriend. No battery. You know, none of these. You know, off the field problems. It's just like, is this knee good? Is it not good? Frank Gore is an example. This guy was so injured coming in coming into the NFL. And now he's still playing. I mean, you know, he's been yeah. keeping kids off the field forever. When did Marshall have his last ACL tear? Did you happen to see that? I'm just curious as to. I thought it was 2013. Because I know you, you. By the way, let me just kind of read you one statement from the NFL's weaknesses. Absolutely. Uh, it doesn't look as fast as before his 2013 ACL tear. No. Well. Looks that, like they might need to rewrite that. Yeah, hold on. Hold on. Water is wet as well. <laughs> um, Earth so, is round. So let's see. Uh, da, 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 da. The thing is, Dave, that, that I mean, honestly, yeah, 2013. So may, maybe he was an absolute blazer before that, and now he's just a partial blazer. You know what he I mean? He was the state uh, class 4A 100-meter dash champion. I think um, the, the other thing I wanted to bring up, I suppose I could talk to you about this off air, but I'm not going to. If the Kentucky <laughs> Derby is not until the following week, yeah. why are we not staying for day three in Chicago? We could. I think we totally should. All right, let's let's, let's okay. Let's, let's just tell the group we're doing. We'll that. tell, yeah. I, I and and wh- when is it over? It's over. We could come home Saturday night, right? Well, yeah, we it doesn't home. go late on Saturday. No, we can come, we can come home whenever we want. Okay, we can go to that blues place, have a couple of you know a couple of drinks. Who's driving? Leroy driving, and we're coming back. I don't know, but we need to find somewhere else to go other than that art museum. <laughs> I don't want to go to the art museum again. I feel like you don't go to the art institute of Chicago. You know, you don't need to go twice in a row. Mm-hmm. We can go to the well, museum. Not, we can go to the museum of science and industry. What? A, okay. Shed Aquarium is my vote. You like fishes and yeah, I octopi? Do. Yeah. Sharks? Yeah, maybe um, it'll be like a Jaws three situation <laughs> where, the, where the shark attacks. The, we'll, have, we'll have the culture morning. That's our yeah. culture. Do they have a Jaws like exhibit at at the Shed Aquarium? <laughs> I, I don't think that'd so. that'd be great. Big picture of Roy Scheider on the wall. <laughs> They should do that. I'd be, I'd be uh, very so we'll interested. We'll be, we'll, you know, be us and a bunch of uh, grade school tour groups. Yeah. So if anybody wants to come again, we're, we'll. It's, it's getting more enticing now. Come hang out with us at the Shed Aquarium. Right. Also the NFL Draft. Right. Uh, we'll we'll pimp this up um, more so as we get closer to the NFL Draft. But if anybody wants to hang out with us in Chicago, we'll be at the NFL Draft. And we're here with Jack Hahn. Friend Jack of the show, Hahn. Jack Hahn. That's right. And a few other guys. We're staying at the Palmer House Hilton. So I'm, there's rooms available. Book a room there. And you can chill out with us. Book now. <laughs> we, we all want to see Carson Wentz go number one. So <laughs> those rooms are going to fly. All right, that's going to do it for tonight's show, ladies and gentlemen. I want to thank uh, Mark Perino uh, for coming on the show. A lot of great stuff from him tonight. Uh, I'm going to have to go back and re-listen to that interview because he had a lot of good nuggets in there. I want to also thank Wendy's. I want to thank Gatorade. I want to thank FedEx, the FFPC, Rob, Bryce, and most of all, all of our listeners. You could be watching the Combine replay right now. Instead, you're hanging out with us. More than likely, you're doing both. Uh, I want to remind you that we're going to be back next week 
with 1250 number six dynasty champ John Schroeder. Of course, old number seven is uh, his team name. He'll be on the show next week as uh, the guest. We'll uh, have the wide receivers in review next week. Thank you, Dave. Maybe. And yeah, we will. And uh, play the FFPC today. Dynasty, DE's main event, football guys, all. This available. has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com that was broadcast live and heard around the world. Eric and Dave will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from a guest much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. You know, God.